One of upstate New York's providers of medical marijuana is doing home deliveries. What does that mean for you, even if you're not someone who consumes medical marijuana? EpiPens, they have a use-by date. How do you know when to throw them out? And we're going to talk also about pricing at urgent care centres. It's Matthew Leonard here. I'm joined uh, by my colleague, Patty Singer, who's the authority on these things. Hi, Patty. Hey, Matthew. Thanks for that plug. No, no problem. Uh, so, uh, Patty, let's talk about the EpiPens. Um, these were uh, an appliance that was, you know, been encouraged to be um, stored more widely. A lot of people use them. There was discussion around the pricing of this. I remember that was a big story that you reported on. This is a different issue, which is that um, even if you can afford the EpiPen or you've been able to obtain one and store them, then um, obviously they have a they have a, a, a limited shelf life. What's the what's the takeaway? What do people well, need the, to know? The, the issue is that with the manufacturer of EpiPens as well as the other uh, epinephrine auto injectors, we'll go with the kind of generic for it, the auto injectors. There have been some manufacturing delays from different companies over the past few months that's causing sporadic shortages throughout the country. Area, uh, Our area, uh, upstate Rochester area, hasn't been hit as hard as some other areas of the country, but allergists are still saying check the box to see the expiration date because like a lot of medications, they can't say it is safe and effective to use after that expiration date. They don't know. So they don't want anybody to be caught caught short on this. I mean, if you have anaphylactic reaction, you need a working auto-injector right. now. This isn't just like drinking the milk a day past its use-by date, right? This is this is a serious issue. This is, uh, this is life-threatening, exactly. So because of these sporadic manufacturing delays, sometimes the supplies you know, are inconsistent to pharmacies. Wegmans in our area says that they have a good supply and they have have had a good supply for a couple months. But one thing you don't think about is, uh, and this surprised me, this is a busy time of year for these auto-injectors. You think school's getting out, right? So you don't have to worry about school physicals and things like that. Early summer is a huge time for kids to get their physicals for summer camp, sports camps, and to get the jump on school the next year. So there can be a lot of demand this time of year for for these auto-injectors. Now, they are dosed by weight, so younger kids would have junior, but if you've got a you know, middle school, high school age child, they're probably going to have the same dosing that you, the adult, will have. And again, that can create some other, you know, some other supply issues. You have to keep both of these pens together. You get a pack of two. You think, okay, I can, I can put one with Jimmy and one with Janie kind of thing. No, because if one malfunctions, you've got the backup. And if, say, you happen to get stung by a bee or eat some food on the camping trip or just in the park, could take a while for a responder to get to you, you may need that second dose. So they got to be... You know, carry Pairs, together, to stay in a pair, buddy, the buddy system for your auto injectors, check that expiration date. No one can say if it's going to be fully effective after that, and you don't want to get caught when if there is a sporadic outage on these. Right, and then before we started talking on the record, so to speak, we, we, we were discussing the, the Narcan, the, uh, the opioid uh, uh, reversal 
overdose reversal kits, they have a similar similar issues around expiration. They do. They there's not an issue with supply in them, but yes, right. they will expire. And again, if you need that, you don't know. You know what's the half life? I guess is the term. You don't know when these things start to decrease. Storage also matters with these. They can't get too hot. They can't get too cold. So you think I'll throw it in the glove compartment. I'll throw it in the back of the car. I'll keep in the camping gear. Pay attention to that temperature range because when you need this thing, you don't want to be shooting blanks there. Right. So, so a little bit of maintenance to do there. I guess you know this is a good time around um, around the beginning of the summer season when a lot of people are thinking about traveling, camping, outdoor activities, those kinds of things. Um, so, just a good a good little bit of advice there. Moving on, Patty, we're going to talk a bit about um, Columbia Care. You had a pretty um, thorough uh, visit. Uh, to their facility here in Rochester, um, what did you? Uh, what was your kind of? Just before we talk about what you wanted to talk about, you want to give us just sort of a general impression of that operation and and what your takeaway was from visiting that that facility at the former East, at the Eastman Business Park. Sure, they they are very much prepared that when the federal government relaxes what you know their stance on cannabis, uh, New York State relaxes theirs even more to really to to be the same kind of pharmaceutical company that you would expect to be buying your your aspirin from your uh, cholesterol medication from whatever. I mean, this is, this is a pharmaceutical manufacturing. This is not anybody's backyard or garage. I mean, they are, they are making medicine to a tolerance that is incredibly, incredibly narrow. You know, uniformity, consistency. Uh, everybody's walking around with lab coats and little, you know, um, lunch lady hairnets and booties on the shoes. It's not, there's not clean rooms in the sense of what you, you think of as no, that no, kind no, of like sterile wafer, environment. Right. silicon wafer, but still exactly, very but, high but very, yes, yeah. very, very clean, um, very sterile, very, you know, they're expanding uh, quite a bit now. Uh, so part of their operation still in the original four rooms. So they have to clean, if they make capsules and they're going to make a tincture, they've got to clean that entire line, scrub, 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 so then, then they can make the next product, which is why they want to expand within that facility so they can have multiple lines running together and business is that good. They say they would not give me sales figures. They wouldn't say how many clients that they had. But obviously it's enough that they're going to be expanding to be running multiple lines Right. At once. Right. And so the issue of um, home delivery, why, if people aren't interested or they're not users of, of, of cannabis or uh, potential users of cannabis, what does the, the home delivery model that Columbia Care is using mean, mean for them? I, I think what it means is that the state is considering or starting to think of, of this medications in demand. It's being used, even though... No medical centers will say they're doing research on it and what the research is. I mean, they have to be doing it. Neighbors around New York are going to recreational. I think the more that New York State allows the medical, manu the medical marijuana, medical cannabis manufacturers to expand their services can be little rumblings that the state is looking to how would this work if we also had recreational. How could we set it up? Where could we sell it? How could it be distributed? And I think all of this is going to be used by the state to see, you know, how is, how is that expanded delivery going and um, what can we learn from it? So the expansion is it, it used to be for Columbia Care, if you were unable, you or a caregiver were unable to get to the facility because of your illness, they would deliver to you. But now that is, um, that's expanding to anybody 
who is a registered patient or their caregiver or a facility caregiver uh, in New York State can get the home delivery option. So it really, for, for those individuals getting this, it's a huge uh, it's a huge benefit for them. For the rest of us, I think we need to look at this and say, how is the state moving, using this to move toward perhaps a recreational use of this of this uh, medication? Right, and this is also a topic in the gubernatorial race as well, to a degree, particularly because of the uptake of recreational marijuana in, in neighbouring states, right? Exactly. So uh, our last topic today, we've talked about urgent care um, before. Patty, you've been reporting on kind of a turf war, um, is a kind of ugly way of putting it, but we've been talking about increasing Increased competition and the growth of urgent care centres by major healthcare providers in our market here. Um, now we want to talk a little bit more about pricing. Um, what, what, what are your findings with around that issue? Well, that I would rather be a rocket scientist than figure out the pricing for urgent care is because a rocket scientist, all you're doing is rocket science. It's one thing. Right? How hard can that be compared to figuring out the pricing at your urgent care, depending on whether, and stay with us here, is your urgent care independent of any hospital system, just uh, and there are some of those in town. Is your urgent care part of a hospital system, and is it actually, get this, hospital-based as part of that hospital system? All of these things can affect the pricing. I had a, a conversation with Kathy Paranello over at uh, URMC about this topic, about pricing, and uh, the quote from her is, it is very confusing. Uh, the U.S. healthcare system pricing is very confusing. That is a quote from the woman who was supposed to be figuring this out. And we had a long conversation, about 20, 25 minute conversation about this. So what you need to know as the consumer, if your finger's not bleeding badly enough, the ankle isn't spraying badly enough, that you have some time to think about this. Some of the ways pricing works. Most of the UR medicine urgent cares are hospital-based. If you look on the website or if you go to the building and it says part of Strong Memorial Hospital, it is hospital-based. On the face of it, that doesn't mean it will cost you more. It means their billing falls under hospital billing. Right, so Matthew, you're nodding, but I can see the eyes glazing. This is really confusing for me. I hope I hope you don't cut your finger. Um, so what what that means is hospital based. In some hospital billing, they have what's called global billing. Everything you need to be done is all bundled in one price. Right. Some and other billing systems, and especially in non-hospital based, there could be fee for service, a la carte, everything you order. But wait. Right, I'm not in waiting for a, 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 a physician. A physician could have global billing be in a facility that has fee for service. Right, so you you want to know you've got a deductible. You'd like to try to save some money. You want to know you want value, but you don't want to break the bank on this. How are you going to know? This is what gets people so annoyed about our healthcare system. And these are the things that are never talked about in reform. Yes, we need to control the prescription drug pricing. We need access for people who live in rural areas. But this pricing bugaboo is really what's, what's going to get us. And until there can be some way for the consumer to figure this out, I don't know where we're going with, with other reforms that we want to make. So essentially you're talking about how opaque the pricing is so, and how difficult it is to even just make a sensible consumer driven decision, uh, given the complexity of the system and the, 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 what, you, what you're describing is a kind of a huge um, kind of almost baroque level of complication potentially for 
the billing that how the billing is going to be conducted for your procedure or for your appointment. Right. And if you think about this, there's an entire industry set up around medical billing. And if you can think back to 2009 when we were talking about reforming this health system, for a nanosecond it was called health insurance reform. And that quickly got changed to health care reform. Yes, the, the way in which care is delivered has been reformed to, to some extent, but really the way it's been billed, we really don't have some of these things. As, let me back up a little bit. For the, for the consumer is not aware yet of the changes that have happened in billing. Things like bundled payments, value-based, is all gobbledygook to them. And that's what really has to change and has to be communicated to the consumers because otherwise they're going to keep thinking that this I'm being ripped off by health insurance. I don't want health insurance. I'm a healthy person and not realize that the benefit to society and the benefit to them of having a health insurance that makes sense to people. Right. Uh, well, not surprising given that health insurance has been such a politically loaded topic, but you're talking about the pricing is a separate issue to the, the insurance. Um, Got to go. Uh, Patty Singer is the reporter who wrangles with these kinds of issues for the Democrat and Chronicle. More of this kind of stuff on SoundCloud or at democratandchronicle.com. Patty, thanks for doing all the heavy lifting for us. Oh, thanks for asking the questions, Matthew. Okay, see you later. Bye.